What's up, everybody? Welcome to Scenes from the Spectrum. I'm Sixers Justin, my co-host Sixers Graham. We're here to talk about Sixers versus Nuggets, Sixers versus Cavs, the preview for tonight against the Mavericks, uh, Claude Giroux, the Phillies, and keep listening and you'll hear a lot about it. What's up, Graham? How's it going? Uh, Let's just get right into this Nuggets game that happened about last week it was it was a game where actually I didn't watch the first quarter uh, I was driving so I was, I was able to listen on the radio and when you listen on the radio with Tom you always think that something crazy is happening and it was there was something in the energy because we were hitting shots that quarter was was what Sixers basketball is all about I went back and re-watched it of course after the fact but it's all about a free-flowing offense uh, hitting shots, you're locking up on defense, you're taking advantage of the opposing team's turnovers, and you're turning it into easy buckets. And that just went away uh, in the rest of the game, especially down the stretch of the game and in the third quarter, which it was just bad basketball. And you let you know, the Sixers, they get up on you, and then they let a team just make a run, and they, they don't do anything about it. Like once, once a team's on a 6-0 run, you got to regroup. And, and try and, and settle back into the game. The Sixers, they just time and time again do not do that, and they let teams go on 11-2 runs, 13-4 runs, 15-2 runs. You know, it's that, that, that hurts the Sixers so much. So when you have a first quarter that big and you're only up by five at half, uh, that, that's just unacceptable. And that's probably uh, one of the main reasons that losses that game because if this game is not any competitive in the third quarter – Bones Highland never has the confidence to shoot from 45 feet uh, from the basket. So I think that uh, the Sixers and, and that's been that's been Doc Rivers, really. It, it's it's just been, you know, the lack of adjustments in game is just killing them right now. Yeah. And, you know, you've seen it, especially with the past two games against the Nuggets and the Mavs. We've had a great start and then you come out flat in the second half and you let the opposing team take advantage of it, and it turns it into a close game. That Nuggets game was very winnable. Um, we sh- completely shut them down in the first quarter. We shut Jokic down. We forced him into a few turnovers. Our, we probably had our best defensive first quarter all year, but it just goes back to the fact that if the opposing team is going on a run, you have to call a timeout settle yourselves back in the offense and and play better defense. That's just all it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, the way that Bones Island just absolutely maneuvered through our defense, found a spot and hit a shot was uh it was it was frightening because when you get into a playoffs situation and you let someone like Jason Tatum do that to you. Or you let someone like DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine or even Darius Garland do that to you, uh, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, like if you can let Bones Highland, you know, see a shot go through, let him get to a spot where he could, he knows he can make shots, and you consistently let him do that. Yeah, I don't even want to know what you know, a, a like a Duncan Robinson would do to us, like in a playoff series, right? Or a Tyler Hero, one of those you know spark plug guys. It, that's that's scary to me. 
Yeah. Um, it's just uh, the fact that we didn't lock him down in the fourth quarter and he got a lot of wide open shots is really frustrating. And that's kind of on Doc Rivers to make some defensive adjustments because Bones Highland is hot. So you have to cover him. I mean, it's really that simple. That lead should have never been blown. We were up by as much as 19 points. Um, it, it's You're not going to win a championship if, if you keep blowing leads over and over and over again. As fans, it's frustrating. As players, it must be frustrating. It's Something's got to change, and adjustments got to be made. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. Adjustments. Uh, you got to get better in-game adjustments. It's always been a problem with Dog Rivers last year, last year's playoffs, uh, for example, where in game one we let Trey Young absolutely cook Danny Green, and we did nothing about it. Uh, and we we still almost came back and won that game. But it, it was the the in-game adjustments. Just in that game especially, they're bad in a lot of games. I would say about 85% of the games we have bad in-game adjustments or the lack thereof. Uh, it, it was it was very evident just because Jokic wasn't, you know, just gliding through the court like he usually does for most of the game. He was having his struggles. Embiid was was getting to him. Uh, they were they like even when Jokic was finding a stride, it was against DeAndre Jordan, right? So there were so many times where we had the opportunity to win by 40. Like we could have, we could have done what the Celtics did to us to the Nuggets. It was the perfect, perfect example of we were hitting our shots, we were slowing down their star player, and Embiid uh, was feasting. Right, and, and we just did not have that at all. We could have had Harden just, you know, once we're already up by 15 or 10 plus, you have Harden get on a hot streak, and all of a sudden that lead grows to 25-30 in the game's over before halftime. But instead, you let a team get it within single digits, and not just that, they go on a hot streak to end the half, and they go in the locker room feeling really good about themselves. Uh, and that's just, you know, teams don't do that to the Sixers. When teams get up on the Sixers, it takes a while for the Sixers to even try and get back into the game. When it when you know, like like for example for this like the Celtics game, uh, the Nets game, the Nets game got up and the Sixers never had a chance to get back in the game. That'll never happen when the Sixers are leading, just because we, we're just not there for the to- for the whole four quarters right now. Yeah, and this game was supposed to be about Jokic versus Embiid, but. As much as we blew our lead and played bad in the second half, we did a very good job at containing Jokic and stopping him. He only scored, he only scored eleven points. Um, when being guarded by Embiid, he had three turnovers. Um, Embiid had twenty-one points when being guarded by Jokic. Um, I think Embiid had the better performance, obviously, but didn't come out with the win, which is it sucks to see, but you know adjustments have to be made and that's not something that we're expecting because doc rivers never makes adjustments and as fans it's very frustrating to see but wait before you move on you were you were in a lot of conversations on twitter i want to know the general consensus of the Jokic versus mb matchup from like outsiders non-nuggets fans non-sixers fans what was the consensus of you know, not necessarily who won, but how the performances went. 
by you know unbiased fans they felt like Embiid had a a, a lot better uh, performance against Jokic um most people knew that Embiid just had a better game he shot a better percentage he scored a lot more points was getting rebounds dishing the ball out but only the Nuggets fans were kind of being like oh we got the win Jokic played better yeah. but yeah, that's just not how it went but yeah uh, that's that's kind of what I saw from like Jokic got the triple double Jokic did this but he won the game, but Embiid played better. Like if you go on individual, I think Embiid played better. Yeah, he definitely played better. Uh, I mean, especially coming right out the gate in the first quarter, um, Embiid was already in double digit points and, and Jokic was turning the ball over, over and over again. Um, He couldn't find his stride. And then, well, you you look at the box score and you say, well, Jokic didn't have a bad game. He put up good stats. He was doing that against DeAndre Jordan. Embiid wasn't, or I would say Jokic wasn't matching Embiid's minutes. Um, there was a lot of time on the court that Jokic was being guarded against DeAndre Jordan. I think that's where most of the numbers come from. But if if they were matching, if Embiid and, and Jokic were matching numbers, I think Jokic would have had a much worse game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I feel like there was a lot of times where it was Jokic versus DeAndre Jordan, and, I mean, Jordan has no chance, right? So we're thinking about Embiid versus Jokic, just the two of them. I feel like Embiid won that, and I don't really see an argument for the fact that Jokic, you know, was the better player between the two individually, right? If 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 Embiid was doing that while Jokic was guarding him, and Jokic only got eleven points, three turnovers when Embiid was guarding him, I feel like that tells the story that what you need to know. Yes, Jokic got the win, uh, a lot of that because he had a rookie guard just absolutely go off, right? And and James Harden. Got off to a really slow start. He kind of turned it on, but still, he never took over the game. And not, nothing to the fact that a Nuggets player other than Jokic did. So, I mean, it, it's it's tough, to, you know, to it, – it's, it's like both – I, I want to say like both fans are, are extremely biased when you get to this point of Sixers fans, they have strong biases. There's no doubt about it. Nuggets fans – I want to say they might be a little bit worse. Uh, they have, they also have extreme biases. So they're one hundred percent worse. Yes, I yeah. Most Sixers fans have a lot of, but the ones on Twitter, there's a realm of Twitter like, like the younger generation of Sixers fans, a little bit less biased than the older ones on Twitter. I have noticed, but uh, both fans are so biased, so it's tough for me. Like if you just read a comment from NBA Central. It's you might see somebody like, but you have you know Denver in your location, right? So we're not going to take anything you say seriously. Or you know, if I, I saw something uh, like Embiid, you know, just absolutely destroyed him. Jokic had no chance, called him fat. You know, it'll be like, well, I wonder where this guy's from, and it's like Upper Darby, right? So yeah, there, there were so many, there were so many uh, like things I saw on Twitter 
that it was just hard to find like unbiased, you know, people that weren't affiliated with any team, what they thought. And what I was what, what I was talking to you about this before the show is if you look from an unbiased eye and, and you look, you take the numbers from when they were both on the court, not just what Embiid did and what Jokic did, what they did while they were on the court playing the center position against each other. I feel like it's pretty clear to say that Embiid won the matchup. Yeah, literally just looking at the numbers, Embiid outplayed him by a mile. Jokic had a lot of turnovers. He did not score a lot of points. Um, he wasn't able to get going versus Embiid. He had to he had to play against DeAndre Jordan to get going. I mean, Embiid is just that guy. I, I mean, yeah. I know I'm yeah. biased, but I'm trying to sound unbiased as possible here. Jokic had a solid game. But it was mostly against DeAndre Jordan. I can't, re- I d- can't really give him props for that. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. I, I think that I think that's the main thing is getting to what they did against each other, not just what they did against, not what Embiid did against the Nuggets, and not what Jokic did against the 76ers. What Embiid did versus Jokic, what Jokic did versus Embiid. That's more or less what we got to look at right now uh, for that matchup. And like I said. The if the MVP race was close before the before the game, I mean it's nobody won the MVP on that game, and I said it in the last episode. Nobody's won an MVP March fourteenth, and nobody won MVP March fourteenth. So uh, that was that's pretty much the bottom line that people are making it out to be. The MVP was on the line. That was never the case. It was never going to be the case. Uh, it might have helped a lot, but even then, we got no help because you know Jokic got a triple double and won. I, it's hard to argue with that unless you bring up the fact that when Embiid and Jokic are on the court, what Embiid did. So there's two angles to go at it. Um, neither are really wrong. There's one probably more right. But again, it's 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 who, you know, do you like the sample size of the entire game and, and value of the game? Or do you like the one-on-one individual who was better for their team when both were on the court? It's so subjective. So I feel like that, that people are saying like it's the MVP is going to be won on this day. It was very silly and it didn't happen. Yeah. We both said it in the last yeah. episode. It's it's it, it'll take a meltdown and a historical performance for right. the guys to, to really sway the voters choice, but it was a close game. They both played well. Um, even though one played better, it's not going to change anything. The, um, the NBA.com's MVP ladder just updated like 15 minutes ago. Jokic is still number one, and beat is number two, and Giannis is number three. Um, I mean, I feel like it, it's either got to be Embiid, Jokic one, two, interchangeable, and then Giannis three. And that's it. Like, there's like people have made a case. Like, there's there's a players that have that are having great seasons, but none of them compare to those three, or none of them really compare to Embiid and Jokic. Giannis is having a great season, but he's just like a step below the two centers. Uh, yeah, like and, and people got like, like John Morant, like, like John Morant or Demar Derozan, or I don't know who else is even in there. But it's like, yeah, they're having great seasons, but what Embiid and Jokic specifically are doing uh, at their position is unheard of. So. Uh, I feel like it's it's definitely Jokic's, you know, to lose right now. Um, he's, I would like, he's, I mean, he's in first, but it's definitely not safely. And we've already seen a lot of MVP voters come out and say that unless something drastically changes, Embiid has their vote. 
Yeah, they did a vote. I think it was right before the All Star break, and MB did win that, uh, win mm-hmm. the vote. But who knows if if it's changed? Um, but you know, we'll see. Got an exciting what fifteen games left? Yeah, something uh, like that. It's gonna come down to the stretch. I think Embiid has the chance to really feast because we don't have a tough schedule now that we've we've gone throughout the way. You know, the mm-hmm. schedule gets kind of easy uh, from here on out. But we'll speak of a hard game that we had to play. That was kind of frightening me because it's hard to sweep a team in any regular season, and we did that. Uh, we beat the Cavs, and uh, I was I was so happy with this win because we did not give up the lead at the end. I was so I was so sure. I was like, I'm not gonna get happy. We're up by you know up by whatever with six minutes left. I was like, I'm not getting happy. I will watch this with a straight face until the clock hits zero. We had some clutch free throw shooting. Um, I think we had a successful challenge, and uh, I mean, it was it was just a game where like yeah, we we held on and we won the game, and I was quite satisfied. Embiid for whatever reason will always feast against the Cavs. What he had 35 and 17 with five on his, assists on his birthday. On his birthday in 20, in 35 minutes, 35 points and 17 rebounds in 35 minutes. Absolutely absurd. And I like what Tobias Harris is doing. Finally giving us that 20 points that we need. I mean he had 19 uh in, in that game. Tyrese Maxey with 25, Harden with 21 and 11. Just an all around really good game. And we stayed solid and consistent through the end. And uh the, the Cavs tried to go on a little run, uh, but the, the Sixers did a pretty good job of stopping that and just holding on, preserving a lead at the end. And it was back yeah. and forth. I mean, it was back and forth um, that that last couple minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of the same, close to the same story as it was the Nuggets game. I mean, we started off the game really well. We were hitting our shots. We were playing really good defense. Um, I think we played better defense than we did versus the Nuggets. But, you know, the Cavs just creeped back and back, and and they came back and made it a tight game. Um, but shout out to the Sixers for being able to, to beat them as many times as they have in a row. I mean, MB took over, Harden hit some good shots he hit his foul shots at the end of the game maxi had a really good performance tobias harris it seems i don't want to jinx it but it kind of seems like he's finding his fit in the offense definitely taking more catch and shoot threes and kind of finding his rhythm in the offense but you know does this kind of I, this kind of performance and and performance against the nuggets kind of concern you um especially for the playoffs yes it does uh i have a lot of concerns in the playoffs especially with james harden i've had james harden concerns in the playoffs uh the moment that there was rumors of us trading for him i was very concerned about james harden in the playoffs i'm going to continue to be concerned with james harden in the playoffs until that he shows that he's not a playoff liability and uh Embiid's health in the playoffs is something that you know I'm going to be very worried about Matisse Thybulle in the playoffs is something that nobody should be like oh we got Matisse Thybulle in the playoffs that's nobody's ever said that um and I think that the fact we don't have Seth Curry anymore is going to hurt that fact a little bit even more um like we don't know what DeAndre Jordan's going to bring to the table George Niang had a historically bad 
playoffs last season. He's not a good playoff performer. I'm I'm very I'm quite frankly very uh very worried about this playoff performance as a team, especially when you have Doc Rivers at the helm. Yeah. Um you have two uh I wouldn't call them playoff chokers, but guys who have not shown up in big games, one of them being Doc Rivers and another being James Harden. James Harden has been a really big concern for me and I've seen it over the past few games. Yes, we want him to facilitate and pass, but we need him to score and be aggressive. And he just has not done that as much. Um, You want him for when Embiid's on the bench. You need him to cook and to find his shots. Those are the minutes minutes without Embiid that he should be as aggressive as possible. And, you know, kind of finding those shots. And it's really frustrating for him. Um, I think it was the Cavs game where Matisse took five shots in the first quarter and Harden took zero. That's he's he's been way too passive for my liking. James Harden. Yeah. Uh, It's it's really concerning. We had we had a guy that was passing the ball every time uh last yeah. year right we don't we don't want that we need you to do your step back or get to the mid-range get to the bucket get to your spot to hit the shot right you know we don't want you passing to Matisse Thibel. uh we've already been through that we don't want it again we love the playmaking value but we want you to score first right we need you to be score first type of player uh i mean yeah Tyrese Maxey having 25 is an added bonus but if Tyrese Maxey can get 15 and you get 35 along with him beats 35 we'll be much more happier, and that'll help us tons more in the playoffs because we're not going to rely on Tyrese Maxey getting us 25 points in a playoff game. It's just, you know, that's something you don't rely on a second-year player having a bulk of the scoring load like that. It never has worked. It probably never will work. Uh, that's just, that's one thing about that is just, like, that that concerns me a lot of, of how James Hart has been so passive. I mean, just other than the Minnesota Timberwolves game, even then he was passing a lot. But he was able to get to to that to that bucket, and uh, he he was scoring. He was a score first player. He needs to get back to more of that mindset. Yeah, and you know, as you said a few minutes ago, we had the whole experiment with an only passing guy in Ben Simmons. And yes, the facilitating is nice, but we need the scoring. That's why we traded for him. Um, we need at least 20, 25 a night. Um, We need you to be taking a lot of shots. I mean, there's in no reality should Matisse be taking five shots in the first quarter and Harden be taking zero. I, it's just unacceptable. Um, There's a plenty of times in the Embiid and Harden pick and roll where instead of Embiid being the popper, he rolls. Um, the defense gravitates towards Embiid and and Harden passes it to him anyway. And Harden just needs to be aggressive, needs to have a score first mentality. And when I see that mentality, I'll be confident in championship. Georges Niang, like you said. Oh my God. I, I, I want to talk about this, George Niang. Um, he had 10 points per 75 in the playoffs last season for the Jazz. That was a negative 14 relative true shooting percentage. So he wasn't he wasn't shooting his threes well at all. Uh, he shot like 17% from the mid-range, 33% at the rim, 
absolutely putrid playoffs last season for George Niang. And he was one of the, like, when the Clippers went in into the uh, small ball aspect, he was getting cooked defensively, and he wasn't making his shots. He was he had no value to that team. Obviously, teams aren't going to necessarily do that to Embiid because, you know, w- what Embiid can do. Uh, I'm just, but I'm, I'm still worried about the fact that George Niang had a historically bad playoffs compared to what his regular season was last year. And how can he bounce back from that, knowing that last year he was awful in the playoffs? What does he do this season? That's a lot, that's a big question mark for me because someone like George Niang or Danny Green or like an Isaiah Joe, those are the type of players, your shooters, that can win you playoff series. And um, I, I think that you know we need we need a shooter to come in clutch because it won't be just James Harden and Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. It definitely won't be Tobias Harris. Let's throw him out the window. So it, we need somebody uh, that that's able to just hit their shot when they get the ball passed to them. And the thing that concerns me is Doc still hasn't found his perfect rotation. I mean, he's throwing different guys in there. You saw, you saw in the Cavs game, Isaiah Joe sat the bench the entire game until the beginning of the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then, and he, yes. then, he threw him in the game. Isaiah Joe got, I think it was two or three quick fouls. Um, wasn't playing well on offense. Oh, you and, go in there, you have cold legs, and you go into a fast-paced game like a Sixers and Cavs would play. Uh, it, it's tough. You know, it, it's tough to to get in there and, and expect to play fourth quarter ball. That's just something that's that you're you shouldn't be expected to do, especially if you're not a veteran player. And Isaiah Joe's not a veteran player, so that I mean that's just a bad situation to be put in. I don't fault Isaiah Joe really for that performance because he was put in a terrible situation from the from the very moment he got into the game. Yeah, um, and something that we don't know that could be a possible question is Tyrese Maxey in the playoffs. I mean, he did yeah. have a he did have a pretty good playoffs. But that, he doesn't year, really have much experience because he didn't play at all yeah, game seven. Yeah. Um, I mean, he played some game six and he was more or less the savior, but that Hawk series didn't play that much other than maybe one or two games. Uh, in the Wizards series, he played decent in his minutes, but again, he wasn't getting a lot. So I, I think that Tyrese Maxey in the playoffs is also going to be a big question mark. I, I think Danny Green needs to step up and be more of, you know, that guy that can hit his shots. Um, because he he's been struggling, um, and Danny I Green think, injuries are a big thing. Yes. Yeah, his injuries are. Yeah, I mean, he if we have Danny Green for Game Seven, we don't know how differently that game goes when you have someone like Lou William cooking, uh, Seth Curry or Kevin Herter getting hot. Maybe if, if you put Danny Green on them, they don't they don't do that. So that's that's a big thing for Danny is that I want his defense. I want him to make his shots, but I really want his defense in the playoffs. And that's, I mean, that's a huge thing. If you can get another perimeter defender that is really good as a guard off ball, and that's what Danny Green brings to the table, I feel like that would be really good for for our defense, especially. And that's what that's what needs help. We're just, you know, lacking that type of enthusiasm on defense. Uh, like Embiid said, we got to get back on the ball, man. Like we're getting beat in transition so often, and uh, it's quite frustrating to watch. Yeah, definitely so many questions coming up. 
um, especially with not that much time left in the regular season. But, you know, all, if all things go well, Maxi plays good. Danny doesn't get hurt, and he plays good. Um, Niang is not a playoff joker. I mean, that's kind of a perfect story for us. Right, and then maybe someone like Shea Milton has one game where he just goes off. And then, yeah. and then, and then we make it to the Eastern Conference Finals if that's the case, right? And I, I think that that there's a lot of dominoes that need to fall, but it's not like none of like all of them are realistic. Like there's no there's no unrealistic domino that needs to fall for the Sixers. It's just all of them need to fall. Like we need Tobias to make his shots, Matisse not to get in foul trouble and foul three point shooters, Embiid not to get hurt. One thing. And to you know, stay engaged with the game for all four quarters. James Harden to you know be efficient from the floor. Tyrese Maxey, you you can't rely on him too much, but he needs to be a spark plug. Danny Green defense hitting shots. George Niang just hitting a little bit of his shots, something that he didn't do at all last season in the playoffs. DeAndre Jordan is probably gonna get what five minutes a game. Isaiah Joe to hit a shot, and maybe Shake Milton has one game where he has twenty. And we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's as simple as that, really. Nothing yeah. that I said was super unrealistic where you're like, whoa, whoa. You know, maybe Tobias hitting a shot. So that might be the only one. But uh, other than that, <laughs> other than that, there was there was not one where you're like, well, that's definitely not going to happen, right? Uh, and I, I feel like there's a lot of dominoes that, that need to fall. But like I said, they all can't. Or like the Hawks series, a lot of them can just go drastically wrong. Yeah, and something huge – I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple players there, but something huge that is a big concern is our bench scoring. I mean, yep. our bench is getting outplayed by miles in the in the last few games, and it's it's horrible because you know Shake Milton's not getting going. Niang has been struggling recently. Ferk is just unplayable at this point. He fell out of the rotation. Um, yeah. We just need a few good minutes from DeAndre Jordan. What, like five to eight minutes from him? Um, but it, it's just really frustrating that our bench has been stinking it up. I mean, we need Danny Green to kind of step it up. Niang needs to step it up. Shake Milton needs to step it up. That Doc Rivers needs to step it up. Everybody needs to step it up, man. It's it, it, yeah. I, I'm very concerned about the playoffs. I mean, we we could make we could make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals, no doubt about it. We could do it, but it, like I said, a lot of stuff have to happen, and it's not like it, it's out of the realm of possibility. It's definitely a possibility, but I just don't have faith that the Sixers team can play to their full potential in the playoffs. I just don't have faith in it. There's no reason for me to have faith in it. And the Sixers have shown me nothing, whether it's this season, last year, the year before that. That that I should have faith for them going into the playoffs. Is there one? Is there one pocket of of sunshine in all of what's happened that I should be like, yes, we're going to the Eastern Conference Finals this year? Yeah, ever since we've kind of been contenders, there's no re really, I mean, not a single year where no that that can make me feel confident. Now, I mean, 2018, you lost four one to the Celtics. 2019, you lost to the Raptors in Game Seven. 2020, you got swept by the Celtics. Last year, you get the fuck. What am I the Hawks. The Hawks. Yeah. Last year, you lose to the Hawks in in Game Seven. 
there's there's nothing that gives me confidence about this year. Yeah, there's I'm, nothing. Uh, there's no past success that make that makes me feel good. James Harden's a great player, but there's no James Harden past postseason success that makes me feel good. There's no Georgia Yang past postseason success. There's no you know Joel Embiid health that makes me feel good about the Eastern Conference Finals run that we could go on. There's nothing that Matisse Thibel's ever done. There's nothing that Tyrese Maxey's ever done, and you're damn sure there's nothing Tobias Harris has never done to make me feel good about this team going on the Eastern Conference Finals run. If we, if it happens, it's you know it's it's fantastic because I've never seen the Sixers in my lifetime go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I've been a lifelong fan. So this is something I want to see happen, right? And I, I feel like there's just nothing that shows other than the hope. You know, there's nothing but other than me having faith in the team, which, you know, it runs low a lot uh, that this team is not a second round exit. I mean, I just haven't seen it. That that yeah. There's nothing to convince me that this team is not just another second round exit. And and if you're a Sixers fan and you're watching and, and you're kind of like yelling at the screen, like, why are we being so negative? We're not trying to be negative. We're just trying to be realistic. I mean, we could be as hopeful and as biased as we want. I mean, there comes a time where you have to be realistic about this team's um, future in the playoffs. And there are some real big questions that you kind of have to sit back and think about. It, it, <laughs> If everything goes right, I see Eastern Conference Finals and and Finals kind of run. But if we keep playing the way we are playing, we are going to be another second-round exit, and it's going to be another disappointing year, and it's going to turn Doc Rivers into the hot seat for next year. But, uh, I mean, it's... It, all we got to do, we got to take care of the rest of the schedule, get some momentum, get the guys, get the rotation you want, and then just go from there. You know, we know that this Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be a gauntlet. There's no doubt about it. You just got to take control of what you control, and that's probably the the main thing about about the Sixers team. And it starts tonight when we when we play the Mavericks. You got to get off on the right foot. Um, this Mavs team is uh is been kind of a kryptonite, um, a horrible showing last time when we had. Something wrong with the basket. It goes the the bucket was tilted and, and yep. uh, it, it was took, in it Dallas. Took an hour to fin- to fix. Took an oh hour my god! So not only was that game moved to ten o'clock, it took an hour to fix the bucket. So I did not watch that fourth quarter at all. I so did. I don't know why you did that, but uh, it, it's I mean, like Luca had what like thirty three and a triple double that See, game. A big a, a big thing with that game is we couldn't score against the Mavs zone defense. Right. That was a big thing, but that was when we didn't have didn't Harden. Have Harden. Right. But you know, Harden and, and Embiid can break the zone. But um we'll I mean we'll see. Who doesn't love uh, Harden versus Luca though? Facts. That's gonna it's gonna be a really good matchup. I'll be in I'll be in attendance. I'll be at Wells Fargo tonight. Um, but it, so back to, back to our point about the playoffs, if I'm being realistic, I would say next year is our yes. best option to win the championship. I mean, you have a whole op- off season to unload Tobias's contract. You open up a, a spot for, you know, a max contract player. Um, I don't want it to be Beal, by the way. Um, do you want it to be Beal? I would prefer not to be Beal. 
Yeah, okay. I just um, don't I just don't see the fit. I think fit is very important in today's game. You you look at the Lakers. Fit is very important in, in today's NBA game. Yeah. Uh Beal is definitely a guy that, you know, I wouldn't want on my team, like you said, with the fit. Fit is a big thing. Uh Beal wants a lot of money. I do not think he's worth that much right now. Um I think we, you know, build up our bench, get a few new pieces, get a get a good four, um, make a run at Harrison Barnes in the offseason. Um, a kind of guy like him. But you know, if if we lose this year for a second round exit, I'll take the criticism, you know, as a fan, I'll take the criticism. Um, I don't have that high of expectations. Obviously, coming out of the trade, I did. But right now, I mean, my expectations are kind of at, a, at an all-time low since the trade. But, you know, I, th- I think next year's the year. But obviously, we could still win it all this year. But, you know, a lot of things have to go right. And it's difficult to do. But, I mean, it's not impossible. Yeah, that that's that's for certain. It's definitely possible. And uh, let's talk about this game tonight. Um, the Sixers are two and a half point favorites, uh, minus one forty on the money line. Over under is two hundred seventeen and a half. So it's it's going to be a game where you pretty much got Luca running back and forth with Embiid and Harden, and it's you know this Mavericks team they've been playing some good ball. There's no doubt about that. They've been winning some close games. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they just beat the Nets. Um, on a buzzer beater, I think that was the Mavericks. It was they beat the Celtics and the Nets. Yes, and Spencer Dinwiddie hit back to back buzzer beaters. That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so that that's a big thing of the Sixers. If it gets to a close game, I mean, eventually the luck is going to run out for the Mavericks. You got to think, right? So uh, yeah. I, I think I don't really, I don't even think this game's close. You you look at the Mavericks and they've played a lot of emotionally tough games, mentally draining games against the Celtics and Nets, and you can only do that a certain amount of times before you run out of gas. This Sixers team had a rough showing uh, against the Nets, a rough showing against the Nuggets, even though Embiid played really well. They went out and they and they held on to the Cavs. They feel like they got a they got a lot to prove. Uh, and this game, it, it, this game is going to be big for Harden. Uh, I feel like when he he sees the opportunity to, to go Harden versus Luca, and uh, Harden's going to win this matchup. I, I really, I really believe that because today is one of those days where, like, you'll get a random, like, like all of a sudden we're getting like these random Ja versus Shea Gilders Alexander comparisons. Like a couple months ago, we we sometimes we get random. Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry comparisons like when Dame's healthy. Like today we're going to get some random Luka versus Harden comparisons. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Luka did this. He's better than Harden. We're going to get so many of those today. But uh, I, I think that Harden, it's a good chance for him to settle in and just go back and forth with another ball-dominant guard and, and just see how the game plays out. I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because uh, I don't really – first of all, I don't trust our defense against a team – where Luka Doncic is the primary ball handler. That's that's one. And I um it's gonna be up to Matisse Thibault. I guess he's gonna be on Luka a lot. So that's gonna be a good test for Matisse. And for for Embiid just a feast and and and, and for Harden to take over the game when he needs to, if needed. Uh, and I, I think that's gonna be a big key for tonight. 
Yeah, I mean, this the uh, Mavericks are nearing the end of a East Coast road trip. Um, but, uh, might be a little tired, but I do expect this to be high scoring, and and I expect Harden to go off, but obviously Embiid to go off. For those of you who don't know, Embiid is at 29.9 points per game for this season. If he scores 33 points tonight, he will be at the 30.0 points per game mark, which hasn't been done in a very long time by a center. Um, and you know he knows about it. Oh, 100%. Embiid, so, Embiid definitely knows about it. <laughs> That's one thing about him. Plus, plus uh, the Mavericks don't really have a good center. I mean, you saw the last time we played the Mavs, they throw they threw out Boban on Embiid, um, which obviously didn't help. But they just don't have an option to slow down or stop Embiid, and that hurts them. Um, I think Harden does his thing tonight, and I think we win by eight or more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that the Sixers will win and cover the two and a half. Um, it's just I think Embiid's prop tonight is twenty nine and a half. Uh, if a lot of a lot of people a lot of uh, books don't put it up until later, especially for Embiid, because there's no telling if he's going to play a game or not. He but, is um, question. He is questionable for tonight. Okay. I saw it 29 and a half earlier. He is it's, questionable. It's, it's usually around the 29 and a half, 30 and a half mark. Yeah. So um, uh, I, I think that if MB plays, he's going to get his 30. Uh, and I, I want Harden to get 20 and above and maybe the eight assists, eight plus assists that come with it. That's going to be a big thing. And we just got to slow down Luca at what cost that is because we know we're going to have mismatches on the other end. We just can't let one person beat us. Can't let Spencer Dinwiddie beat us. Can't let Dorian Finney-Smith beat us. You know, or, or Jalen Brunson, who uh, is having his homecoming game uh, back in Philadelphia. So, I, I think that uh, it, you just you just got to stop Luca, and you can't let a random role player absolutely torch us. Yeah, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, no, the Sixers. That's a lot to ask. Yeah, if, I mean, that's like oh, that's that's like trying to you know stop a train with your left hand, right? Um, Listen, I, I think I think Embiid's gonna get his. Harden's gonna get his. I think the deciding factor in this game is Matisse Thybulle's defense on Luca. You know, he's a gambling defender. We know that. Last game against the Mavs, the six last game against when the Sixers played the Mavs, Luca cooked Matisse. I'm just gonna be straight up with it. Right. That was Luka, one. Of, that was one of the games yeah. where I'm like, Matisse, what are you doing? Luka, like, like, you yeah. just let that happen. And I was like, well, I was told that Matisse is a defensive player of the year candidate. You know, that was that was me questioning the Matisse stands on Twitter. Like that was one of those games. Like, really, this is this is what we get? Yeah, Luca kind of got whatever he wanted once um, on Matisse, and I think Matisse needs to do a lot better job on on Luca. So. It's it's gonna be tough, but yeah, I agree. I think you know. it's gonna it's gonna come down to that for sure. I mean, and like I said, if Embiid plays, I feel like there's no there, there's a really good chance we win this game. If he doesn't, I'd actually want to see Harden versus Luca just go at it, and I think Harden wins that battle. Um, yeah, with 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 the Sixers and it being his team for that current day. Um, either way, I feel like the Sixers win, even with no Embiid. I feel like this is a very winnable game for the Sixers. Like I said. Mavericks have played two games, like very emotionally draining, uh, both ending on 
know, shots at the buzzer. So that's going to be big. Other news around the city. We've got uh, Philly's spring training that starts this afternoon. This will probably be out like even a little bit, probably just when the game finishes. But um, also Claude Giroux is not traveling with the team, with the Flyers. Uh, had an emotional day yesterday. Where do we think Claude gets gets traded to? Um, I think it's inevitable. It's going to happen, right? Um, it's sad to see. One of, you know, well, I would say definitely one of my sports heroes. I mean, if 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 you're my age and a Philadelphia sports fan, you know all about it. Um, it was uh, it, it was a good game, actually. If, yeah, I, I caught the end of the Flyers game yesterday. Really good game. And it was just really emotional. You could see, um, you know, just the fans pouring their heart out for someone that they could be their last game. And uh, it, it would be a pretty darn darn good way to go out, considering what this season has been for the Flyers. First of all, I want to I want to know, like, where do you think he will go? Well, obviously, um, there's really two only two options right now, as as the reports have said. It's either Florida, the Florida Panthers, or the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, um, I just saw a report right before we started recording that the Panthers haven't. Um, sent an official offer for the Flyers to say yes. And obviously Colorado is still in the running, but it's uh, the rumors are saying it's going to be a lot, um, a lot for Giroux. Um, but you want to trade him, um, give him a ring. It was a really good game yesterday. His 1000th game and his last game. Yep. I expect, I expect the and trade five, to go four, down. Five, four. A 5-4 yep. win against the Preds. Yeah, I mean... I expect the trade to go down by the end of the night. Yes. Uh, I, I think that maybe by the time we we put this out that he's already traded. I would say I would say I would prefer the Panthers. I'm no, I don't know why. I'm leading towards Florida. Um, I would like to see the Avs, you know, obviously him on the... I just want a team to root for in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah. Uh, that's one main thing. I like the I like the Hurricanes a lot. I don't see them in reports for Giroux. I don't know why they would really, you know, need for that. But uh, you know, I, I've been rooting for the Canes a lot in the last couple, you know, especially last season in the playoffs. Anyone but the Lightning or um Yes. Or or the or Las Vegas. That's all I ask for. Yeah. Um <laughs> Any, I, love, I, I, I love him. I love him go to I love for him to go to Florida. But I, I think I kind of want him to go to the Avs more. Um, I, f- I feel like if he goes to the Avs, that's a, that's a scary team. Both teams would be scary. Yeah. If he goes to the Avs with, with Drew in the I mix, think, that'd, I be, think, that'd be a really fun team for yeah, sure. Florida and, and Colorado are kind of the two best, one of the, two of the top five teams in the league. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Florida would obviously, if, if you go to a retirement place and you're just in Florida, Pretty pretty good deal for for old Claude right there. Yeah, um, Phillies they played the Tigers today. First day of spring training. I feel like the lineup is out. I know Bohm is in the three hole today. Uh, there's a lot of moves. We can talk about the Phillies. A lot of them. A lot of people. Um, I haven't seen it from like any mainstream reporter, but I have seen reports of you know they're in deep pursuit of Castellanos. 
which would be so good for the outfield. Uh, so you can stop. I know Tra- you don't have Travis Jankowski anymore. He signed a minor league deal with the Mets. So like you, you can get away with no Abdul Herrera or Matt Verling or Adam Hazley when you get <laughs> Nick Castellanos. Uh, but again, the main thing about this is you can hit bombs, but you're going to win every game about you know ten to eight because that defense is yep. going to be atrocious, especially. If if Wheeler's not pitching, it's going to be fun to watch the Phillies. <laughs> I mean, fun from a subjective standpoint. Over this game, going to be really high scoring. There's going to be tons of errors uh, because Phillies, they don't have a good defense. Castellanos is definitely not a good defender. Uh, infield defense, I think you got Didi Gregorius, who is the worst infield defender in the league. I'm not, I don't think that's a, that's not even an exaggeration. That's he an is, understatement. He is the worst. And it's not like his bat makes up for it at all. So um I, I think hit nukes like that. Yeah, but uh it's just gonna be it's just gonna be all all nukes, no defense, which is fine. Yeah. When you got when you got Zach Wheeler, you can get away with it. But once you put like Eflin or somebody or Ranger Suarez doesn't have a good game, um, or Scott, especially with Brad Hand and, and Familia, Jesus Lord, I don't even that's gonna be an interesting sight. Uh the Phillies bullpen mixed with the Phillies defense. Will the home runs in the nukes make up for that? You got to yeah, hope so, it'll, right? It'll it's, be interesting. It's, like a you long, said. it's a long season, and they're going to make moves at the deadline. Um, but it's def- you're de- the Phillies definitely playing catch up right now with the with the Mets and Braves, especially with the Braves getting Matt Olson on a pretty cheap deal, is where they can go out and get one more uh, player to 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 fill out some depth. And uh, the Phillies, that's one thing they're lacking right now. They're la- also, they're first of all lacking a bat, especially in the outfield, which Castellanos would bring that, but you're still lacking depth. And um, <laughs> the main thing is you just need your your players that are supposed to be good to play good, right, if you're the Phillies. Uh, you need Aaron Nola to be Aaron Nola. You need JT Real Muto to be JT Real Muto. You need Alec Bohm to show that, you know, he's not the least improved player <laughs> in in history of baseball. Uh, and you need Didi to not absolutely suck. Gene Segura played really good last season. You need more of that. Um, when you know Abdul Herrera, you you just need his lefty his lefty bat in there. Um, yeah, right. It, it's everybody was, hates him. Yeah, as they should. Um, but it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Like you need Reese Hoskins to first of all stay healthy. And when he does and he's on the field, you need him to have that production that you know Reese Hoskins can have. And I like Reese Hoskins a lot. He's a really good uh, first baseman. But letting letting away a lefty bat uh, for Brad Miller, I feel like that could have been a really good DH option. But you got Kyle Schwarber a couple hours later, so you didn't feel the pain of that too much. But I love Brad Miller a lot. And I think that might be a big mistake because you're just letting depth just tremble down. Uh, for the for the Phillies, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, you said spring spring training starts today for them. For them, there was a couple of games yesterday. Um, there's, I think, every team has a game today, pretty much, uh, especially in Florida. So yeah, we'll, so we'll get a better look in, in the yeah, next. Yeah, and I, weeks. you won't really know until about the first eight eight to ten days of spring training where you can get a grasp, and hopefully, the Phillies have their roster set. Um, there's a lot of teams that don't have like. Correa hasn't signed anywhere. Um, Trevor Story hasn't signed anywhere. If Freddie Freeman just signed, he's gonna miss, you know, a couple other uh couple of spring training games. He hasn't been to some mandatory practices. 
but yeah, I, I think that it's gonna be a there's a so there's so many question marks, but you've got a team, but you if you're the Phillies, you've got to remember you have a team with Zach Wheeler, Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, Kyle Schwarber, and potentially Nick Castellanos. That's you just gotta keep hoping that. But uh, you can't look at what the Braves have, what the Mets have. You have to control what you could control. You got off to a really good start last season, and you fell apart towards the end. That's been the – I mean, the Phillies, that has been the story with them. Uh, And you just need to get some bats, and and you need to get some defense. Uh, Even some defense off the bench, like Ronald Torres, uh, just him, right? He was really good last year. Uh, you, You need defense. Especially if if you go a bullpen game or you're down in the rotation, it just it's scary, honestly. But uh, like I said, at the end of the day, you have the MVP and you have the probable Cy Young. So there's a, there's a lot there's a lot of good in the Phillies this season. Yeah, definitely some upside, but also some downside. I mean, and, and you also probably playing the toughest division in baseball. Yeah, and, and you've when you've got. Lindor, DeGrom on one team, along with Max Scherzer and Pete Alonso, and then you have Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna on another team, and then you then you have Juan Soto on a team, and you have Sandy Alcantara on a team, and Jazz Chisholm. I mean, there this division is absolutely loaded. But the Phillies, like you said, you have the MVP, you have a probable Cy Young, and you just need to fill out the roster and everything. You know, it's baseball; anything can happen. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it's a very unpredictable it unpredictable is. sport. I mean, hopefully they can break their, what is it, 11-year playoff drought? Yes, 10 years, I think. 10? You're getting, you're getting close. Okay. It's, it's yeah, who's counting anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, I, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, I've enjoyed talking some ball and uh, other Philly sports with uh, Sixers Graham. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Yes. Make sure you click the link tree in the description if you're watching on YouTube. Leave a like, subscribe, Spotify, um, all that. Um, follow it, subscribe to it, you know, leave a good rating. But make sure you follow us on Twitter. Follow Scenes from a Spectrum Twitter at STFS Podcast underscore. Yes. That's it. Um, yeah, I remember it. And, and right. before we leave, shout out Hassan Reddick for coming home. Absolutely. All right. Peace, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and go Sixers.